Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Wow, this is amazing. Um, I want to give you an abbreviation of the khutbah that I delivered last year at the women's mosque. That's amazing to say I delivered a khutbah. Um, but if we kind of switch gears a little bit, I think some of the things that Hasna was saying, and even the trivia game that we did with Trevina, I hope I can share with you some, some of the underpinnings of that that might make more sense to us now um, with the challenges that we face today. And I, I'm sharing this topic of the prophet's wives because I think if we understand the role that these women played, if we really understand what their role was, our concept of who we are today will change. And this is particularly timely because this is Ramadan. And one of the benefits of Ramadan is that it gives us a chance to transform ourselves, to hit the reset button in our lives, to, to, to rise to what Allah calls us to be. So let me tell you my journey. Honestly, I first approached the topic of the wives of the prophet because I was uncomfortable about the subject of polygamy. I could relate to the story of the prophet's wife, Khadijah. That's a great story, right? Here's a recap. The first wife of the prophet, Khadijah, is a wealthy woman who has a prosperous training business, trading business in Mecca. She's independent, previously married with children, no current husband. She hires Muhammad ibn Abdullah to work in her business. She admires his character, turns down marriage proposals from other men with more wealth than the young Muhammad. And she asks Muhammad, who is 15 years younger, to marry her. She's about 40 years old. That's a great story, right? I love that story. We all love that story, you know? Khadijah, she's our hero. So this is what I was talking about when I delivered the khutbah. And after that, I'm going to make a little side detour on this. One of the other katibas, Samea Abu Bakr, who I don't think Samea is here tonight, she pointed out to me that despite all the importance that our cultures place on marrying a virgin, Prophet Muhammad's first wife, Lady Khadijah, was not a, was not a virgin. Muhammad was her fourth husband. She was a chaste and righteous woman, but she wasn't a virgin. And he, she married Prophet Muhammad before he was the prophet. So let me think, just think about that for a minute. But I digress, okay? I'll get back to the story. Sorry about that. I just couldn't, I couldn't help myself. I had to show that. Anyway, so many years after their marriage, Muhammad ibn Abdullah receives the first revelation in the month of Ramadan, and his wife, Khadijah, believes in the message of one God, and she becomes the first believer, the first Muslim. That was one of the questions, right? Then after several years, Khadijah dies. The prophet and the early Muslims are under enormous persecution from the Meccans. The prophet has been publicly spreading the message, and the Quraysh, the main tribe in Mecca, are not happy. They're making it very, very difficult for the Muslims life-threateningly difficult for them. 
But at the same time, while the prophet, who's now widowed, is in Mecca, he proceeds to marry one woman after another. He marries the first two wives in the same month. And this is where I would quickly skip over those verses in the Quran that talked about those other women. How could this man, who I saw as the most generous, supportive husband, all of a sudden, he morphs into this man with an entire harem of women? So I'm, I'm confused. In my discomfort about the Prophet's multiple wives, and this went on for a long time, I finally decided that rather than skip over those, this issue, skip over the parts in the Quran that talked about it, I needed to go back to the text. I needed to go to the Quran. So what I'm going to tell you tonight is what I discovered. Take it or leave it. I'm going to share it with you. So I went to the Surah Azab, Al-Azab, which is the 33rd chapter in the Quran. And this is the chapter that it talks about, and more importantly, it talks to the Prophet's wives. In this chapter, the text says that the wives of the Prophet are the mothers of the believers. Okay, so I knew from the history that none of the women who married the Prophet after Khadijah had any children. Only one wife after Khadijah, and that was Mariam, the last wife, had a child with the Prophet. And their son, Ibrahim, died in infancy. So none of the other wives after Khadijah had biological children by the Prophet. We know that many of these women had children from previous marriages. They were widows, some because their husbands had been martyred in the battles, or they had been divorced, sometimes because they or their families accepted Islam and their husbands did not. We know that they were capable of having children. And as I said, the Prophet had six children. He had six children with his wife, Khadijah. We know that the Prophet, from the Quran, it says in the Quran, he had relations, he had intimate relations with these wives. So doesn't that seem a little odd? There's no children out of this marriage. All these women, no children. Okay? So we know that's factual, that's historical. So perhaps, perhaps Allah is calling these women to do something different. They are not to be the, the mothers of the biological children of the prophet. That was not the purpose of these marriages. Again, the Quran is describing these women as the mothers of the believers. And what does being a mother of the believers mean? So here's, okay, here's the really interesting part. In the Quran, Allah speaks to the wives directly. And he says, Ya nisa al-nabi, lastina kahidin min al-nisa. O wives of the Prophet, you are not like any of the other women. The wives of the Prophet are not like any other women. And the verse continues, and this is the English translation. If you do fear Allah, be not, com be not too complacent, soft of speech. Least one in whose heart is a disease should be moved with desire. But speak, speak a speech that is just. Allah is telling them, the wives, not only to speak, but when they speak, to not speak softly. 
to speak up, okay? But what are they supposed to speak up about? Well, the next verse, the Quran says that the wives are to stay quietly in their homes and not to make a display of themselves, not to flaunt their beauty or status, their status. And then translation again, the Quran says, and Allah only wishes to remove all abomination from you, you members of the family, and to make you pure and spotless. Okay. Then you read the next verse, and it says to the wives, and Allah is still speaking directly to them, and we know this because the Quran uses the female gender. It says to recite, uskorna, recite what is rehearsed to you in the in the home, in your homes, recite what is rehearsed to you in your homes of the signs of God and his wisdom. The word uskurna is translated to be remember, recite, teach, make known, publish. Recite what is rehearsed to you in your homes of the signs of God and his wisdom. And who is rehearsing to you the signs of God and his wisdom? It's the prophet. Where's the prophet? In their homes. The wives are learning the wisdom from the prophet, and they are told by Allah to recite that wisdom. Okay. Fast forward. The Meccans are now, the, the Muslims have fled to Medina. It's the seventh year after the Hijra. The Prophet has married other wives in Medina. And the revelation comes to the Prophet that at this time, he is not to marry any other wives, nor is he to change any of the wives he has already married. Remember, they're pure and spotless. So at this point, no more marriages. Don't change any of the wives you already have. At this point, he has married 12 wives. What's the significance of the number 12? How many, how many disciples did Jesus have? How many disciples did Jesus have? 12. How many sons did Jacob have? 12. What were the disciples of Jesus supposed to do? Spread the gospel. What did Jacob ask his sons to do after his death? Be witnesses to the religion of the one God. What were the wives of the prophet told to do? They were told to recite the signs of God and his wisdom. So how did they do this? How did they spread this message? Well, we know from the history, four of the wives were Hafiz. They knew the whole Quran. They had memorized the whole Quran. The wife Hafsa. She set, down, she set down the text in the Quran in the order it is today. Seven of the wives gave legal decisions and were judges and scholars, not just to the women, but to the entire community. Women were always in the forefront of Islam from the very, very beginning. There's one quote from a Sahaba or a companion of the Prophet who said after the Prophet's death, when the wives of the prophet are among us, why should we inquire from anyone else? So what Allah asked of these women was huge. Perhaps what Allah is telling us 
is these 12 wives of the prophet were sent to fulfill a role that in the past had been delegated only to men, the sons of Jacob, the disciples of Jesus, the 12 captains of Moses. They're all men. But for this new religion, it was women who were sent in that role. They were sent as the people closest to the prophet. From the first wife, Khadijah, who was the first believer, the first Muslim, through to the last wife, Mariam. So think about it, though. If you wanted to assign the task of carrying out the message that the prophet was given, and you wanted women to do it, what other way could there be except as wives? The prophet could not have had the access to these women except in marriage. It would have been improper for him to be in their company for the time that it would have taken to convey the message. So they were also protected. They were protected because of the prophet's wives, and even after his death, remember, they were protected by that status. The Quran instructs them, no men were allowed to marry these women after the prophet's death. It says that in the Quran. They were freed, they had no children, they had none of these other obligations to a husband, right? So they could spread the message. They were not like any other women. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. These are the wives. These are the names. I'll recite their names. These are the wives of the Prophet Muhammad. May Allah be pleased with them in the order of their marriage. Khadijah, Sauda, Aisha, Hafsa, Zainab bin Qusayma, Umm Salama, Zainab bin Jaws, Jawaria bin Al-Haras, Safiya, Maimuna, Mariam. These wives were a diverse group of women. Some were poor, some were wealthy, some were old, some were young. Before they accepted Islam, they were polytheist, Christian, and Jewish. Some were physically beauty, beautiful, some not so much. Some had beautiful intellects, others did not. They were a mirror of the community of Islam at the time the prophet was sent to deliver the message. Each had a unique role to play. Each was chosen and accepted this role. And I would argue because of them, we are here today. So as I close, I remind myself and you that the spirit of these women is reaching across the centuries to tell us today that we can do more than we think possible. If they could do what they did in their time to face the challenges that they faced, what excuse do we have to not tackle all the challenges that we face today? So in this blessed month, let us bow to ourselves, all of us, that we will speak up, that we will speak up in whatever way is right for each of us in our own individual way. We have many voices. We need to hear our own voices. Our families and communities need to hear our voices. The world needs to hear our voices. In a few days, inshallah, 
we will celebrate the end of Ramadan. The Eid Takbir, some of you will remember this. The Eid Takbir is the chant that we, re we repeat before the prayers. And the, the Takbir asks for many blessings. It includes a blessing on the wives of the Prophet. O oh Allah, send blessings on the wives of Muhammad. Wa ala aswaji, wa ala aswaji Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala aswaji Sayyidina Muhammad. Wa ala aswaji Sayyidina Muhammad. Remember that? As I will repeat this takbir, I will be praying to Allah that, that we be granted the courage to speak up. That we be granted the courage to speak up as Allah instructed the wives of the Prophet to speak up. The challenges before us are great. We thank Hassa and the women of the Women's Mosque of America. I mean, how aspirational is that? Women's Mosque of America. All of us, we need to speak up. May Allah continue to bless us all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.